Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Welcome to the pod, guys. And we have Servo for the second round, where we focus completely on watches. If you want to know more about Servo the person, then head back to the previous episode where we talk about how he walked a road less traveled. Right, watch talk. Servo, you have a strong proclivity to Rolex. What is it about Rolex that pulls at your heartstrings? Um, it's weird. When I was younger, I think I mentioned that my father worked for airlines. He actually worked for Pan, Pan Am before they turned into TWA. And Pan Am... As you probably know, they commissioned Rolex to make the GMT back in 1953 or whatever it was. So the first watch I always wanted, which I always saw in various advertisements and again, flying quite a lot um, with my father and my, my brothers, I would see pilots all the time and they would often wear a GMT. And back in those days, they were all, everybody wore what we call the Pepsi. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think I even saw the all black one it was always like the red and the blue so i had this thing about rolex and then always in the back of magazines you'd see it so the marketing is probably what got me but then the whole image of, of the brand and what it stands for and also the people that wore them and the actual item itself you know actually holding a rolex i remember holding it thinking this is really heavy compared to you know the watch i was wearing or other watches so that's what kind of got me into the brand and the fact that and again, you know, these days we can research everything. But back in the day, there was no way to know who Hans Wilsdorf was. But uh, I got some tidbits of information and it kind of fascinated me about the brand. And how would you describe the way you collect these days? I really buy what I love. You know, if I, if I like something, I like the way it looks, I'll buy it. And it's really random in that sense. But I do like sports watches more than anything else. And this is not since, you know, this hype in the last four or five years. I remember people calling me names because I wore Rolex sports models 20 years ago. So I do like bracelets and I do like rubber. I'm not much of a fan of leather watches. I've got a couple, but I'm not a huge fan. And I don't really like overly complicated things. I, I go for the aesthetic. How it looks and feels on the wrist is what what gets me and uh there's a few brands i really love you know and there's a few brands that i would consider buying but uh yeah that's really my kind of a- approach to it so which is did, did you actually get the gmt in the end eventually or was that your first watch I did. or how I did. did you actually start uh, yeah i think the first watch i actually got was a submariner um from well okay. the first the first actual watch i got was like a casio with you know, the little calculator on it when I was a kid. I remember just being fascinated that you could, and I, I never used it for anything. It never worked. My fingers were too big probably, but uh, I was just impressed that this little thing could do that, you know, and that was at a time when, you know, uh, people around me, you know, parents and well, my mum never has never worn a watch, but my father and other relatives were probably wearing more dress watches. And uh, my grandfather particularly used to wear like the Omega kind of manual kind of, wind watches i remember him saying you know you have watches that are automatic you know that's a big deal you know you don't have to wind them up every day and quartz because you know, if you remember back in the day i guess people who were always winding their watches the idea that you might not wind it or it might be out of time is an issue because we didn't walk around with iphones right and i know there was probably clocks here and there but i think for gentlemen of yesteryear particularly who are working having you know, exact time was quite a thing. So the courts thing or the digital thing wasn't a bad thing. And I was really into that digital thing. You know, you could light it up and the loom was there. Well, not loom, what do you call it? The, the display would light up. So that was my first kind of, you know, you know, look into watches. But then quickly, when I realized that you have watches that have mechanical bits in there, right? <laughs> they work. Was, that blew my mind. So I just thought all watches had batteries, even though my grandfather was winding them. I thought he was winding up and charging the battery or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm not six years old. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to fill in a little bit there. That Casio thing is called a data bank. All right. <laughs> and, and, you, you got it. Yeah. and that backlight 
the back LED back light, light. light on on your watches. But I, I'm really intrigued. You know, you said that GMT was the watch that really got you into it. Why did you get a Submariner as the first watch then? Why did you just not get a GMT? Um, Submariner was actually a gift, you know, from somebody. Okay. You know, the first one I got, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> after that, I fell in love with the brand, and I, you know, when I enjoyed that watch, I got a, I got another one. I got a few, right? And uh, it's funny, my brothers, we all got Submariners, not not Submariners, all GMTs at the same time, the same period. So one of them got a black one, which he still wears, and the other one got a black and red one, and a Coke, what they call it. Mm. And uh, mm. I just got the regular regular one as well. Yeah. Okay. Pepsi. I know, I know you're a big collector of like AP and, and Paddock as well, but do you collect anything outside those brands? Uh, yeah, I do love AP and I do love Patek. I've got a few nice ones there, but uh, you might not love this brand, but I love Panerai. I've always liked Panerai. I like IWC as well. So I've got a few IWC watches and uh, I've got a couple of Omega watches as well, which I like. So those are probably yeah. the brand I like most. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you, you know, as as a person that really got into watches through, um, you know, airplanes essentially in Pan Am, it's hard also not to get in to the whole Moonwatch story as well. It, was that something that also grabbed your attention? Yeah, that, yeah absolutely. You know, I, I love looking at the moon. I randomly send pictures of the moon to random people when I see it. It just fascinates me, you know? If I see the moon, I think, oh, that's so beautiful, you know? And the fact that somebody went up there still blows my mind. Whether they got there or not, I don't know. This whole debate's about that, right? But space, you know, and travel to space... It's fascinating. So that watch and the story behind it is fascinating, you know. And I, I've always had an Omega somewhere around me, you know. So I've got a couple right now. I've got the the Snoopy as well, actually. The uh silver Snoopy, what they call it, which is quite nice. Is that the second one? That's no, this is the one that's got the little Snoopy that kind of flies across the back. Mm. Oh, that's the latest one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I've got that one, yeah. Yeah, that's that's yeah, my quite daughter hard to get that it. one. My daughter wants it. She said, I want it when I get to 18. So I said, all right, if you work hard, <laughs> if I don't need the cash, I'll keep it for you. <laughs> but I'll wear it. It'll be scratched by the time she gets it. All right, let's go. Let's go into two of those brands that you, you mentioned. IWC. Okay. So what is it that drew you to IWC? And which, because they have quite yeah, a few so, models, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I was living in Tokyo and uh, I somehow, you know, I've got a few friends who work for Richmond. And um, we all do. I got it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of went to a few, you know, shops and I saw a few different watches. And I remember, I remember actually, I went with my wife and it was an aqua, I don't want to call it an aqua, not aqua, not aqua, aqua timer. I always mix these names mm -hmm. up. It was an aqua timer, Jacques Cousteau aqua timer. And uh, I remember really loving the look of it. It was like a blue, dark blue rubber strap. I think it was or dark black strap. I still got it upstairs somewhere with a, a yellow and blue. It looked very pretty. It looked very nice. It sat really nice on the wrist. It just looked nice. I thought, oh, I like the feel of that. And um, the country manager for IWC, actually in Japan, Manuel, who's still there. He's been there for a very, very long time. Lovely chap. Uh, he he pulled, he, he raised his uh, cuff and he was wearing the same watch. And it looked so nice on his wrist. I just thought, I just love the look of it, you know. And I bought it on the spot. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful watch. And from that, I ended up getting, like, engineers and, you know, other Portofino. I got a Portuguese. Uh, you know, I'd gone through all of them, you know, pretty much. Except for DeVille's. I never got into those. But the kind of more pilot the, uh, ones. Yeah. Sorry? I was going to say. Yeah, that's what exactly what I was going to ask you. Yeah. yeah so the, the pilot, pilot ones, big... ones I love. Yeah. The big pilot. And I like the... Um, it used to be called the time it's, it's called the time zoner so it's like a world timer you know it's quite nice as well so they've got some nice watches okay. and they're very reasonably priced and they're very comfortable mm -hmm. to wear i like them so i want to ask you because maybe some collectors you know they don't collect patek they don't collect ap you know they may not have the economic um capability right now to do that when you get to these brands do you ever go back to more quote unquote entry level brands such as Panerai, IWC, JLC, is it, or do you, once you've moved on, is that it for you? Yeah, that's a good question. And actually, I do buy all sorts. So um, I'm not kind of fixated just on, I mean, today I was wearing an, an Aquanaut and, you know, it's just randomly 
you know, that's the watch I wore because it was on time. <laughs> it was there I'd worn it yesterday, so I, I just put it on. Uh, and uh, but uh, like I got a very nice Omega CK eight five nine, I think it is, which is like a dome kind of sector dial from nineteen thirties. That only cost like a few grand. I just got that recently. Beautiful watch. Um, I bought a Panerai last year, so I'm not necessarily fixated on you know you know if, you, if like some people if they drive a Rolls Royce, they're not going to drive a Mini. I'll drive mm. a Mini as well. You know, mm. I'm happy with a Mini for the day I need the Mini. I'll take the Ferrari the day I want the Ferrari, you know, mm. or Rolls Royce or whatever. So yeah, I'm not too fixated, and I I do buy it because I like the look of it, the feel of it, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't really matter the price point, you know. Having spent so much into so much time in Japan, have you got any watch like watches from Japan? I've got lots from Japan, but I've only got one Seiko from Japan, which is a Presage. Mm. And I bought some say grand seekers for my friends, but the presage is really nice. It's like a nice ice blue dial. It has a, um, oh, a power no. reserve on it. Mm. Power reserve on it. it comes with a nice blue shiny strap. Yeah. It costs like four hundred fifty bucks. You've got mm. a nice open case back. And honestly, it's four hundred fifty dollars Singapore dollars. It wasn't expensive at all. But I I showed it to somebody with a Patek and um, an Aquanaut, and they said this looks much better. I mean, this is a non watch person. <laughs> It looks lovely. It's a lovely watch, you know, and it's very well priced. So I think in the market today, we've never seen so many beautiful watches at price points for every pocket, which is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. So how come you, with your affiliation with that country, Japan, have you not like bought more, you know, in the Grand Seiko line or even the Credo line? No, I, I for some reason, I've been, uh, I have not. Are you like us? Bought- just say it. Yeah. Come on. Are you like Lug and I? I just want yeah, to I say it so then we can be like, see, it's not just us. No, I, th- yeah. I think they look shit. I think they look shit. Yes. <laughs> you know, some of the dress watches look all right, but get lost. I'm not paying that much for one of them. I don't know. I know they might have that spring drive stuff, but it's all right. Spring Keep it stuff. Yeah, tons of people are going to message and be like, yeah, he clearly yeah. didn't know his stuff. This guy's yeah. an idiot. What a twat. He yeah. knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have him on there? <laughs> I want my they, they're they're going to say, uh, like, I'm just going to take that a little bit further. Most Grand Seiko <laughs> people will say, like, yeah, but I mean, have you seen the craftsmanship compared to this, compared to, you know, other watch brands? Do you see how much value you get for that, right? That, that's the if I can see the dial, I can tell the time I'm good. Right. You know, yeah. I don't need to know every little bit that's been polished. But uh yeah, I, I, can, I, I can respect I can respect what they think and say, but I just haven't fallen in love with them yet. Maybe I will. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, going on what you like, which are Aquanauts, uh Panerais, uh Rolex sports watches, you could argue maybe Seiko's a bit too dressy for you. It is too dressy. And and their sports watches all look like Rolex knockoffs. And that's what actually bothers me. That's the thing that actually bothers me. I mean, if I want a GMT, I'm going to buy the real thing. You know, I don't want to knock off. You know, I want to get a Submariner. I'm going to get a Submariner. I I just don't understand why they do that. They've got these other designs they could do. But the fact that it's like they're slightly pumped up, you know, jacked up, you know, on steroids Submariner, you keep it. I don't want it. But you can say the same for Tudor, though. Yeah, they can keep those as well. <laughs> oh, I could. I, I was going to say you could say that for many divers' watches. Did you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true, true. I have one Tudor. Yeah. I have the Tudor, the GMT. Funnily enough, you know, and I, I wear it on a NATO. Yeah, so I, I don't know why I even got it. I think it was available. For, yeah, I'll take it. You know, it's all right. It's not much money. It's it's a comfortable watch to wear if you wear it. You know, so some purists would say like you need a doctor or you need. Um... Uh, what's it called? Uh, Fifty Fathoms. You know. No, you need a doctor if you want watches. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Blanc one is nice. They're, they're nice watches, but again, I think if you were to put these watches, some of these watches, in front of just someone who has no clue yeah. about the price and said, "Look, pick one you like," yeah, and they put it on your wrist, see how it feels. They would all hate that stupid clasp on the um, Grand Seiko. No one would like it. <laughs> Yeah, some of them would say that Blanc Blanc. That I don't need the hour thing there. I don't want it. It's not the hour. The uh, the the date. Yeah, you know, 
Because like it's so used to seeing it at three o'clock, it looks a bit weird. I, mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind that actually. But some people, I've heard them say it. I don't like the hour, uh, the the date window to where it is, mm-hmm. or they might not like the height of the case. But Rolex has got it right. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these watches, are, well, all of them were designed such a long time ago, mm-hmm. right? What they haven't got anything really new, new, right? Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much everything they've got, their different lines of date, just Submariners, the GMTs, day dates. Um, I know they've got the Yacht Master, which is kind of spin-off of the the Submariner. They've got the Sky Dweller, which is, I guess that's the newest one, and it's an annual calendar. But mostly, it's the same stuff, right? Let's be honest. But they got it right 50 years ago. It's like in the guitar world, I would jump to that. If you ask most guitarists what guitar they want, most of them would say a Fender, Telecaster, a Stratocaster, or a Gibson Les Paul. These were designed in the 50s. I think people in the 50s ate something, drank something, snorted something, or smoked something, or smoked something, which mm-hmm. just gave them this power to make products which will last forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, I wanted to ask, you know, with the watches you collect, AP, Paddock, it's not like um, there's a lot every year that for you to buy because one, they're not that easy to get anyway. And like two, the prices, you know, are quite prohibitive, you know, expensive for a lot of people. Do yeah. you ever see yourself collecting like other ways? You know, you know, maybe you don't want to wait for every year for to drop to see the new releases and, and get them, you know? Like I, I'm asking in terms of vintage and near vintage or even other directions of collecting or anything that has recently taken your interest. Yeah, the vintage thing is actually quite interesting. And uh, actually listening to you guys, especially Jacqueline, she's a real authority on vintage, you know, she can literally quote the reference numbers, the years and the dial and the dude mm. that made the damn thing, you know? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> literally, right? a real geek. Yeah. 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 I mean, she should do the, you know, the Harvard degree in horology or something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what she's probably really doing. But, uh, you know, there's those experts who have got that kind of encyclopedic knowledge of watches. And when you hear them talk or when you see what they have, or you see their pictures and you see the the watches are working fine. You know, they're old, they're vintage, mm-hmm. they're reliable. My fear is always being like, you buy something that's been messed around with, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. dodgy components in there, or you buy something, it doesn't work. It just bothers me. I don't buy secondhand cars for that reason. I don't want them to fail. Right? And mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, I want to get it fixed quickly, you know? So I like the reliability factor of new watches. And I've only got a couple of old watches. I only bought. I, bought, I got one from Philips actually, mm-hmm. which is a, a Ulysses Nadan watch, which I quite like. It's from 1945. You know, full box and paperwork and everything. Mm-hmm. Beautiful watch, and it works beautifully. You know, I only got that a few years ago, uh, but uh, I haven't really delved into that. But that's something I would definitely consider. You know, and there are some nice vintage mm-hmm. pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm. As someone who collects Panerai, do you understand the hate that Panerai gets from a lot of collectors? No, I don't. I don't think there's any hate for Panerai. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. Patel you're one of those Panerai collectors yeah. there. You're one of those Panerai collectors there. Yeah, stubborn <laughs> and like link is on. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think um, I do remember not being able to get a Panerai. You know, it yeah. was like yeah. a thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. I remember those days, and people were like, "Dude, you got a Panerai?" It had the ETA movement. It didn't have an open case back. It was very simple, no date, nothing, you know, two-hander, but it was a Panerai, you know, and it had a certain aesthetic which appeals to a lot of people. It doesn't to others. For me, it didn't always appeal. I always thought it was a bit of a gimmick, you know, but then when you get, when you try it, you feel it, and you think, oh, it actually looks quite nice, you know, it mm-hmm. fits nice. And it's not for everybody's wrist, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people just, it just won't get them. I... I'm going to tell you a weird story. My wife thinks those numbers that are in Panerai is how I write. So it's my watch. <laughs> so this kind of rowdy, yeah, rowdy. Yeah, yeah. So she was the one who said to me, oh, you should, you should look at Panerai. And that's actually why I got one. I thought, you know, and I just took a leap of faith. It was like 10, nine o'clock one night. And I was looking at this, you know, brochure they had. And it had a beautiful picture of a, I think it was a 320, I think it was, a GMT. Again, GMT, great function. The only complication I need in my life. <laughs> right? uh, uh, 
So it was a GMT, and they had a beautiful picture, and they had a bit of water on there. I thought, I just like the look of that. And it was like spur of the moment, like nine o'clock at night, I jumped in the car. I thought, I rang up a shop. I said, have you got one? And I said, yeah. So I just rushed out. I bought it, you know, and uh, I loved it, you know. I had a couple of issues with that watch, but, you know, (laughs) I loved it. There's a... In a couple, I don't know if you ever have this, right? But sometimes you see a person wearing a specific watch. And for me, it's like a photograph. I'll never forget it because that yeah. person just pulled off this watch so well, right? And there was this lady that I was in a restaurant one day. And uh, she was a nice looking lady, but she was wearing this Panerai. I think she was wearing the Luminor. And it was uh, oversized because she was quite a slim lady. And it just looked so good on her. Like, it just looks so right, the way she was carrying that off. And, you know, I don't, you know, you wouldn't expect me to say that, but yeah, like that is just an image. I will never forget that image. Yeah, I, I think reversos also, there is just a yes. timeless class with those when, when ladies wear that. But that Panerai was just, oh, it was just so good. The way it was just dangling off her wrist. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I remember you had an episode with uh, a couple of episodes with Carolina Bucci. Is it Bucci? Mm, yes. Yeah. And I remember, she, I remember again, this is uh, some time ago. So forgive me if my details are slightly blurred, but she said she was in New York or somewhere walking yeah. around and she mm. saw a lady wearing an AP. And the way you described that Panerai sighting was like her. And she followed the lady or stalked her or something, you know, mm-hmm. and it just looked something special, you know. So I think. Again, I agree with you. Sometimes you have to, you see or watch someone wearing it. It looks amazing. It looks it looks beautiful. Sometimes you've got to try it on yourself, you know. And I know there's a lot of appreciation for movements and a lot of appreciation for finishing, etc. But at the end of the day, for me, if it looks nice, it feels nice, and it sits nicely, and it makes me smile, you know, I, I sit there all day looking at my watches if I love them, you know. You know I'm on a, I could be on a concord and I'll be playing with my watch. I, I genuinely love the yeah. actual object. You know, mm-hmm. the actual mm-hmm. object I love. People love glasses. I've got friends who play wine glasses, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, you know that's fair, right? You know, but, uh, you know, you can be yeah. into art. You have to be an artist to yeah. buy mm-hmm. art. Uh, but uh, I do love the actual touch and the feel of a, of a real watch, you know, a good watch. That, that's a, that's a great thing about this hobby is that let's say like we talked about just like Panerai, even Rolex sports watches, those watches are never about finishing. Those are actually tool watches. But then exactly. for those people that really appreciate hand finishing and galage, there's also that area which you can totally delve into as well. When there's design, yeah. elegance, all of the languages that there is something for somebody. But yeah. just hearing you talking about uh, the watches in general and, and you're talking about GMT being the most... Uh, appropriate complication for you well that world timer world timer is cool world timer i do i do have one the iwc one and i i do i do like the world timer i like some of the panerai ones as well not panerai uh, the patek ones they're gorgeous as well um yeah. i prefer they're a bit bigger you know i think they're a bit a bit small uh, for my wrist I, I i even if it's just like 40 it would be the difference for me because i I like a little bit of weight and I'm, my mm-hmm. wrist is not small, you know, it's, I can wear 47, you know, so sometimes wow. those dress watches, you know, those watches mm-hmm. are really, really, you know, but yeah, they're beautiful. No, no debate about that. And, you know, I think Chopard does a beautiful one as well. Mm-hmm. There's, there's lots of brands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bulgari ones, they're gorgeous as well. The Octofinissimo, mm-hmm. Octo, what they're called. Yeah, they're very nice. Well, timers. Mm-hmm. And the idea you can just jump right. around the world. I, I think I like that. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. Right. So in our previous episode, one thing was that, you know, the customer service you seem to give to your customers in every single job that you did seemed to be quite exemplary. I'm sure, you know, humbly you'd say, you know, there's always room for improvement, but one of the key messages was actually how you should treat your, um, well, one of the key messages was saying that a lot of what, what, how can I say it? Like a lot of things that you excel at, right? Other people could have do could have done as well in certain situations, but actually you took care of the customer. So I want to go on to a couple of stories that you shared with me. And I want to start off with the Patek story. I, I like to call oh. it the three aquanaut story. So if you could just take it away there, Servo. 
So the, the watch is here. So I'd, I'd gone to London to the salon, I think it was 2017. And uh, I met a very nice lady there um, who, you know, showed me all the watches. I was with a good friend of mine. And uh, I love the fact that Paul McCartney, one of my heroes, wears an Aquanaut. And Ringo Starr also wears an Aquanaut. If you like the Beatles, you know, you know, you kind of see what they wear and stuff, right? And it just so happens two of the surviving Beatles, well, the only two surviving Beatles, wear Aquanauts. So I was like, I want to see one of these one day, you know? So I went to the boutique and they had them to look at. They had the rose gold one um, that was available, actually, the 5167. But the steel one was not available. But she let me, you know, see it, touch it, feel it. And I was just impressed. It was so thin and so light. Mm. And it just fit my wrist like it was made for my wrist, you know? It was like, wow, this is such a beautiful watch. And it's so understated. No one knows what it is, you know? If you're a watch collector, you know what it is. But mm -hmm. if you're not, you aren't, right? Mm -hmm. So I said to her, look, you know, I'd love to get one of these. And she was like, well, you know, this is like a 45-year wait list, sir. You know, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. But she said, look, you know, why do you want it? And I just told her exactly what I said, you know. And uh, as I described it, I think my faith, my eyes were lit up. And she said, let me see what I can do. I said, really? She said, yeah, let me see what I can do. And I think it was 2018, actually, 2018. Mm -hmm. So there's two things I want to tell you here, which I don't really want my wife to find out about. <laughs> she only lived in the Japanese stuff, so it's all right. And the first one was she she wrote to me and said to me, uh, uh, we have, you know, a few months, like literally four months later, she goes, great news, I've got an Aquanaut for you. I thought, what? She went, yep, if you can come in tomorrow and collect it. I said, uh, I'm 14 hours away. I need to get a ticket. Can I come like three days time? And she said, oh, oh yeah of course right uh no sorry uh you need to come this week i couldn't actually come that week mm. and i thought oh, damn i've missed out now so she was like don't worry you'll get the next one but i couldn't get out of what i was in because i was on a business trip in tokyo or somewhere and um so i was a bit disappointed she rings up again and she says all right next one's coming in next week can you come so i thought great i'm there so the only issue was that my daughter was due three weeks. <laughs> so I booked a ticket for a 24-hour turnaround, basically. Yeah. So I flew to London. I landed at the airport. To, and I was like as disheveled as I am now, right? Only with a, a stubble, <laughs> as a stubble and wearing, uh, you know, a Fitbit and uh, just like a black shirt, T-shirt and jeans or whatever. I get to um, New Bond Street. And I, I text her and I said, I'm already here. She goes, oh, I'm just having lunch. Um, I'll be there in an hour. So I've got an hour to kill. And I see a watch shop. I thought, well, I'll have a look in there. So I walk in and there's like four guys standing in like a semicircle you know, with their arms like that. And they're like, what would you like? I said, oh, this is a watch shop, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so can I see some watches? Can I see some watches? And they're like, what do you want to see? I said, what have you got? And I said, go upstairs. So I went upstairs, got upstairs. They asked me to sit down, which I didn't feel comfortable because i'm happy to walk around and it just so happened they sat me at the patek counter so i thought great i said well, what have you got the guy said well there's nothing on display but you can look through the catalog mm. i thought at least i'll get a cup of water you know a glass of water <laughs> and i can look at i can look at what i'm going to buy in a minute so i opened up the brochure and uh, it just so happened to open up aquanaut i said well that's a nice watch and this gentleman very tall guy said uh would you like to buy that, sir? Or I said, would you? He said, would you like to buy it? I said, well, it's a beautiful watch. Do you have it? He said, well, it's your lucky day. But it is seventeen thousand pounds or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, so you have this? He said, would you like to buy it? I said, well, I'd like to see it. I said, and it's available. He said, absolutely, seventeen thousand pounds or whatever. So then, he, I hear him saying something in German. And a guy starts laughing behind me and he goes off, comes up with a watch. And he says, uh, here it is. I said, wow. I said, so this is available to buy? He said, yes. I said, it's not for somebody else? No. It's not a display model? <laughs> no. Because the salon was all display stuff. I said, so if I want it, I can have it? He said, yeah. So I took out my card. I said, can I have three, please? <laughs> and he looked at me, he looked at me, and he just... He had a look of panic on his face. He said, I don't have three. I said, all right, I'll take the one. 
<laughs> and he just he just he didn't know what to do and he, he was like oh and the guy behind me started laughing and again he walked off 15 minutes one five i waited comes back he says i'm very sorry so i can't sell you the watch i said why not he said we've um we've damaged the certificate i said i don't need the certificate i don't need the box either actually keep both and just put it on my wrist and he was like, oh, okay, let me see. Walked off again, another five minutes went by. And he comes back again. He said, look, I'm really sorry, but we don't want to sell it without the certificate. I said, listen, you told me the watch is available. Yeah, you said it was all good. It sounds like you didn't think I was going to buy it. You calling my bluff and laughing with your mate. Now I want to buy it. So hand it over, sunshine. And he just said, okay, then. And then I bought it. And then I gave him a bit of a lecture, actually. I said to him, you know, his name is Kai. Sorry, Kai, but shout out to you, mate. Wempe <laughs> <laughs> was the company, right? and uh, I said to him, "Look, that's you know, you you really thought I wouldn't buy, it, right?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "That's not cool, man. You know, that's just not cool. You shouldn't judge people by what they're." Mm -hmm. So those ladies who are sitting next to me, covered in gold, mm -hmm. yeah, they didn't buy anything from you today, right? Mm -hmm. And they're looking at all the fancy watches, and I look like a peasant. <laughs> I'm buying a watch, and I probably would have bought something else if you had, but. Since you're not such a nice guy, and this is the only thing I'm going to take today, I'll take it. So I took it. And I said, hang on, can you wait? Can you leave the watch here for a minute, please? I said, why? I said, oh, back in an hour. I don't want to carry it around in London. Just leave it here. So I left the watch, went to the salon, collected my other Aquanaut. Oh, my God. <laughs> then I walked back, and uh, he said, oh, did you get another watch? I said, yeah. yeah. So what did you get? Yeah. So I, I pulled it out. I said, they're growing on trees these days. <laughs> oh, my God. I love oh this story God. so much. <laughs> and the really weird thing is I was in New York same year. Sorry if I'm going on, but I was in New York the same year. I think the lady's name was Melanie. She was like the boutique manager of the Wempe store in Manhattan. And she said to me, oh, have you bought something from us? And I said, yeah, I bought one watch. And she said, oh, where was that? I, I said, it was London. And she said, how was the experience? <laughs> <laughs> Funny you ask. So I, I told her the story. She said, mm -hmm. Ty applied for a job in this store and uh, I decided not to give it to him. I feel really bad by mentioning his name now because he's <laughs> a very nice guy. He, I think he runs a Langer store in London now. Yeah. And uh, we all learn from our mistakes. You know, yeah. we all learn from our mistakes. And I think he did. And he's been a sweetheart since, you know, and he's been very nice and very quick in his responses. Because I upset the first customer I spoke to as well. You know, maybe I wasn't the first customer he spoke to, but definitely I was the first one that day. And I only learned later mm -hmm. that story being robbed. So they probably thought I was a dodgy terrorist, you know, or something, right? You know, I was going to stick them up, you know? So all forgiven and forgotten-ish. Such a good story. Right. On the, on the same vein, though, that, that was an example of, uh, yeah, not great yeah, customer know. service. <laughs> but you also have a great story on fantastic service, and that's with the Panerai. So, yeah, please could you share that one as well? Yeah, I'll so, sit back now uh, and listen. Yeah, <laughs> get, out the, get out the popcorn. <laughs> I'll try to be short and sweet. But I, I, I don't think I'm not sure which which number Panerai it was. But I got a particular Panerai, and in, um, in Singapore, I think I bought a few in London over the years. But this particular one was in Singapore, and uh, it worked beautifully. I loved it, and I used to change the strap and enjoy it. And very quickly, like six weeks, seven weeks into having it, it stopped working. I thought, that's strange, you know. I wound it up. It would start, then it would stop again. So I took it to the boutique, and I told them, and they said, oh, we'll have a look into it. You've probably left it somewhere has been magnetized. So I thought, fair enough. And they looked at it for a couple of days, and they said, it's absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with it. Collect it. So I wear it, repeat. Same thing happened second time. By the third time, I was starting to, as we say in England, lose my rag. Starting to get a bit annoyed now. I'm like, all right, it's the third time I've been in there. Yeah. And you're not paying for over my what park, time span, know? sorry. So, so over about over like about three months. Three months. Oh, I don't wear them every day, you know. So yeah. I've got over 40 watches or whatever it is. Yeah. So I don't wear them every day. So when I wear it, it better work, right? And so I just got annoyed. And I went back in there and I said to the chap, and um, I'm sure he was doing his best that day. So I wasn't rude to him. I said, look, 
you need to fix this. You know? And the last, he said, oh, I'll give it back to the watchmaker. I said, look, the watchmaker you have here doesn't know what he's doing because if he did, it wouldn't be broken. All right. So you know what? Because the, the way he was going on, I said, look, you know what? Forget it. Keep your watch. You can shove it. I don't want it. You know? And I just left it. And then a week goes by and I'm getting missed calls from them. So I thought, I better answer it. And one of the nice sales guys that I know, uh, he rings me up and he says, uh, you know, let's have a quick chat. Can we, Can you please come in? And I said, all right, he's a good chap. So I went in and I said to him, look, mate, I'm not happy with this at all. Unfortunately, though, he kind of said, the best we can do is to get the same watchmaker to look at it again. <laughs> I just I just saw red. I'm like, that is it. That just, I just blew a few. So I just Googled online, who's the CEO of Panerai? I got his email address. I sent him a list of every Panerai I bought, every Panerai I've, in, I've influenced, every Panerai I looked at and was almost about to buy. Right? Yeah. And I said, this is not cool. I am not happy about this at all. You know, I'm so disappointed. And I probably bought over 20 over the years, right? Mm-hmm. And that's for me, my friends, colleagues, family members. So I was really upset. And, but he wrote back the same day, like within... I don't know, a couple of hours and said, look, I'm really sorry about this. Uh, very disappointed with your experience. This is not what we want to do. Um, let's, let me look into it. You know, within 24 hours, I had a phone call from uh, Leslie, who's the current CEO for Asia, based here in Singapore. And she said, uh, when can I talk to you? And just to annoy her, I said, Saturday morning. You know, because more than likely she's yeah. got stuff to do, you know, on a Saturday morning. So I picked it like brunch time, you know, because oh, I just assume she's probably single or yeah. even if she's got a partner, yeah. she might not have kids. And if she's got yeah. kids, they're always doing something on a Saturday morning. So the worst time is a Saturday morning at 10.30. So just to annoy her, I said, Saturday morning, 10.30. Yeah. And then on the dot, the phone rang. She literally must have been sitting there timing it, you know, with a Rolex. <laughs> no, <joking. laughs> right. and, and she flowed up and she was so sweet. She was so lovely. She goes, look, I'm so sorry about your experience. Definitely want to, you know, fix this, you know, and what can we do to make up for it? And I was like, I just want the watch to work. So they said, okay, we can send them out to the factory or we can find you a new one, you know, replacement or whatever. But in the end, you know, without going into too much detail, yeah, they basically made me very happy and a lifelong customer. And I've, you know, I've seen her a few times and invited her to my home and dinner with her and her partner. And uh, they're all lovely people, you know. And that customer service, I don't think, and with watches I've experienced before. I've had other issues. The only other, you know, I didn't mention this before, Daniel. The only other good experience I had was with in India. There's a company I deal with there called Kapoor Watch. Kapoor, they're like a reseller of. Uh, Rolex and they used to they do I used to do AP as well I remember I once got a very nice you know watch from them uh very expensive precious metal watch and it had a little bit of an issue and they just said okay we'll give you the full money back and get you a new one you know like on the spot and I was like yeah that's okay you know it's it's not a big deal it was a little scratch actually mm-hmm. and I don't know where maybe I had scratched it or whatever but it was they didn't miss a beat you know, and mm-hmm. I've dealt with them now for many, many years, and they're lovely people as well. So I've, I've, I've had very good experiences from Panerai and Kapoor Watch and a few other companies as well. No complaints. It's amazing that, like, when something goes wrong, and it's maybe just a small thing. I mean, fixing a watch isn't that small thing, but as you mentioned, like a scratch. You know, if they get that right, bang on when you need it to. You mentioned that word, like lifelong customer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the chap from Kapoor Watch, you know, uh, Ronak and uh, his brother, they're the third generation running that company. And, uh, you know, it's got a business to run. So obviously, you know, they want to take care of their customers, but they're the third generation and they've got third generation people buying from them. You know, mm-hmm. so my family's been buying them for years. You know? So my relatives and close friends buying for years. So I think they honor that tradition of giving good customer service. And you can write to the owner. You can phone him up. You can WhatsApp him and he'll respond within minutes, you know. You don't get that from every company, you know. And I think that's something all companies, it's not possible for every customer, right? Let's, let's get that straight, you know. In my company, it would be very hard. But to at least have it seen too quickly, I think that differentiates between a great customer experience and a not so great one. Talking about emailing CEOs, I don't know if you guys have heard this story. I don't know, I'm not sure if it's true or not. It's... Um... 
Well, actually, it might be true because my friends told me. But they emailed uh, Thierry Stern about oh, wow. having a 5 seven, 11. It's the only watch they wanted. It's not like they're super wealthy. It's the only watch he could afford. But he said he wanted it for his wedding day. And it's the only watch that he would ever want. And um, duly, yeah, same like same thing as you. The, the region manager got in touch. He got the watch. Oh, wow. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah my, my close friend, Phil, who lives here in Singapore, he had a Rolex delivered to him, a Daytona, because he been waiting for like eight years. Yeah. Delivered to him from a represent, representative from Rolex themselves on his wedding yeah. day. Wow. Or a wedding anniversary, wedding anniversary, sorry, which is pretty yeah. cool. He's still got the watch, you know. So sweet. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we have another Singaporean. We've had him on the show, Horror Gym. And Tudor, oh, yeah. like uh, laser etched. Is he the gym guy or something, right? His dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Laser etched his right? dog on the back of the Tudor watch for him, on his watch. Wow. I thought, wow, that's that's something really special. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it they heard something about it and they yeah. did it for free or something? Yeah, yeah I remember that story. Yeah. That was a very touching story. I think, yeah. he, but he went and got two new dogs like a week later or something, which I thought was, <laughs> which was a bit wild. <laughs> Sorry, but, uh, oh, the dog's dead. Uh, two weeks later, right. I got two more. Yeah. I mean, still, still, you know. I, I shouldn't yeah. say that. But, well, he's investing yeah, he's for the future. Maybe he has, he has another two more watches coming from Tudor. They went to Patek next. <laughs> yeah. Right. I want to finish this particular um, part on the fact that you, like many others, have established a small watch group. Uh, yes. Singapore isn't lacking in watch groups. What made you want to establish your own? And how does yours work compared to the others, you think? Or different? I think, um, firstly, they wouldn't let me in the others. <laughs> so <laughs> stop your own, right? You know, I didn't really know who to write to, you know. I, I remember thinking, because I've always been into them. And I always felt it's a bit nerdy, right? And, uh, not everybody's into them. Like, I'd walk into the office wearing whatever. Nobody really mm. cared. When I, I lived in Australia prior to Singapore. And... As, you know, you could walk in with, you know, broad shorts and flip-flops and they wouldn't look twice, right? That's an exaggeration. But, you know, they don't really care what you wear on your wrist. In Singapore, people do a little bit more, a lot more, I would say. So my, you know, colleagues have lots of nice watches. And so, you know, I, I just started very kind of randomly, you know, meeting with some guys who were into them and would have a drink after work. And then two or three more would come and then a couple more. So it started with some colleagues. And then other friends of ours, and then it got to it's got to about twenty five people now, maybe thirty. Mm-hmm. And uh, our our group, we meet a lot. We're actually meeting this Friday, so we we meet for dinners or drinks. We don't have too much, you know, time for WhatsApp chat, chatter all day long. We we share the odd thing, but basically, it's a bunch of collectors. We're all based in Singapore, bar a couple who. You know, because they're very close friends of mine, we allow them in the group. You know, they're from the UK and from one who lives in Thailand. Um, but everybody's pretty much here. And um, first rule is they're not flippers, right? So people will offer any watch in the group. You know, they'll offer like, you know, really nice hard. To, I mean, I've seen APs offered, you know, like, you know, nice ones, ceramic ones or whatever, because they didn't want it. So they passed it on. Perpetual calendar, AP, gold, etc. cetera, you know, Royal Oaks, yeah. And lots of Daytoners and Submariners. Um, and if we sell a watch, I'd say I get bored, I would only sell it at list to people in our group. And they would always sell it at list in our group. And if they paid more for it, you know, it wasn't list. They've had to, you know, play the game and buy some mm-hmm. not so sexy watches. And they've taken a bit of a hit. I respect that. And, you know, we would honor that. But it's basically a bunch of collectors who are happy to sell between ourselves if we want to. We don't sell to people outside the group. And uh, it's really, you know, just love of all things in the watch world, but really with good food and good wine. So everybody likes a good drink and we always have plenty of good, you know, good food as well. We're all porkers pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, most of them are quite, most of them are quite slim. <laughs> but they eat like pigs and drink like fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Okay, well. Thank you so much for sharing your watch <laughs> adventures with us. Um, I love the particular Patek. I'm so happy we managed to get that out of you and, and, and share it. It's such a great story. Yeah, we all love those stories. They, they usually get shared in gatherings, but they don't yeah. usually get shared, you know, on air. So it's great to have one, actually. <laughs> I'm kind of regretting it. <laughs> yeah. 
you're gonna get a few phone calls tomorrow all right yeah um <laughs> that watch yeah it's a four to five year waiting list <laughs> <laughs> right um but we now go on to the reverse around servo so yeah your second question so like um myself you guys are not from where you are today right so daniel you, you know you're in shanghai through circumstance and uh we have our Taiwanese Malaysian cocktail living in Hong Kong, right? So that would be a very good cocktail. I'd love to see what that tastes like. <laughs> no, we could right. give it a name, right? Yeah, Long Long, yeah. Long, Long, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But where do you see yourself ending up? You know, like not the desert island, but you know, if you one through choice, and where do you feel as if you kind of belong? I, I mentioned this because I remember you, Daniel, saying, you know, you didn't feel like you really belong. You had some anxiety about being Chinese guy in the UK uh, you know where do you think you will end up both of you Daniel first well I feel that uh, maybe I don't belong 100% in any space but I, I come to more accept that like that's okay you know because I'm me um, but in terms of being more comfortable it's definitely China. Even though I grew up and was raised in the UK, I felt the way I built relationships and what I came to expect from relationships are more closely reflected in Asia um, uh, than in the UK. And I just feel that reciprocation, that almost um, subliminal language you have between friends, more mm -hmm. fulfilled in uh, greater China. Um, you know, I guess, yeah, Asia is so part of my blood that I'm just thinking, yeah, I love China because I love how generous the people are. I feel that, you know, I feel that warmth, but then I guess it's like people like Long Long in a way, you know, where they have that international, like they have that international side for sure. And that Chinese side where they can, we can always relate to everything that is happening, let's say in our family. Or, or like food, uh, without having to explain too much. Even even those struggles that we faced being abroad or not in your other country, or even having just to simply travel a lot uh, mm. between countries and knowing the subtleties between Malaysia, Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China, right? There's a lot to say when you want to build a relationship with somebody. Uh, if they can understand a lot of that without you having to really let's be honest, if you really have to explain that, they don't really understand. It's really hard for them to really get you. Uh, so I've been fortunate to have met people like that. My generation, you know, did move, let's say have moved over to China, move over to like Hong Kong. And mm. I, and, pe and the people are so accessible these days that it's allowed me to find a group where I feel really, really comfortable with. But in terms of geographically, uh, Shanghai, because it's most Western place in China, and I have the space that I would get accustomed to in the UK that I wouldn't, I don't have in Hong Kong. And that just like does my head in, the lack of space. So mm -hmm. I, I think I get the best of both. With the world being so, rambling on a little bit, but no, no. so accessible, being able to fly. You know, these places, Hong Kong's like two hours away. You know, Japan's not yeah. far, all these places. It doesn't, it, all these places just act as a base, you know, whether I want my home to be or whether I want my kids educated, something like this. I'm quite mm. more fluent and uh, mobile. Oh, that's a great answer. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm. Cool. Mm. Mm, definitely Singapore, I think. Coventry? Let me guess, Coventry. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. <laughs> Singapore is just after Coventry. I mean, it's quite similar in some ways. <laughs> like, fuck Coventry. <laughs> <laughs> good indian food yeah I've great never indian been to food ever. uh great kebab um the fucking racist people but anyways uh singapore <laughs> definitely singapore it's like the moment yeah. i land i'm just like hi uncle to like every taxi driver like have oh. a long conversation with every taxi driver um oh. the checkout at every like cold storage like what are you doing today auntie da, da, da. don't even know these people but it's just <laughs> it just feels so nice like everything from the trees being lined up like when you leave the airport yes. and like 
just everything about it, even the money, you're just like, it's so nice. <laughs> like everything about that country. I'm just like, yeah, it's so good. It's just so perfect. Wow, you really are missing Singapore. It's been a while yeah. since you've been here. Yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, and even, and you go back and you're like, wait, nothing's changed. Like Orchard Road looks exactly the same 10 years ago, like 20 years ago, but just something about it. You're just like, yeah, home, it's English. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Servo? Um, I'm torn between Singapore and Japan, actually. Um, I came to Singapore when I was a kid, when I was quite a small kid, and I felt very comfortable here. Because obviously, being Indian, there's a lot, a lot of Indians here. Um, I kind of mix in quite, they always think I'm local, and I kind of exaggerate the uncle, lie, <laughs> all that stuff, right? I think they probably see through it. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's think, but, you know, I feel very comfortable here, you know? It's it's like it's it is like home. The first place my wife traveled to was Singapore. My first place my daughter traveled to after she was born in Australia was Singapore, and my second daughter was born here. Uh, it's like a connection. My brother lives here as well, and his kids have been here since they were like eighteen months and three years old or whatever. So for family friends, it's really close to me. But Japan is also on a different level. It doesn't end, you know, in the sense that, you know, you can just, it's like an onion, you just peel through again and again. There's so many layers to Japan. And, you know, you can go to the same, I mean, you'll never get through every bar or every restaurant or every live house or, you know, or every little art gallery, mm -hmm. you know, and the artisanal kind of, you know, appreciation you get in Japan. You know, so you get, I mean, I always laugh about it. You get some dude whose family for the last 800 years have been make, making the same pot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. knocking it out mm -hmm. with a certain tool but the quality you know is just next level so mm -hmm. of course i don't like seasons personally i'm happy with one right as long as it's the right one you know <laughs> and this ain't too this ain't too bad but you know i'd probably buy a place in the south in japan and have something in tokyo and then you know spend six months in one and six months in the other you know i think that's what i'd probably do and just pop back here for the singlish and you know, uh, you know what I've always like, obviously everyone that goes to Japan is like, this is the best place ever. Da, da, da. But I keep imagining like living there. Right. I would never be able to just wear flip flops and go out <laughs> and like oh. not comb your hair. No, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I love about Singapore. You can wear your pajamas and go out. Yeah. Oh, and I think they, I, I think people wear them too often. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you haven't seen Shanghai, no. honestly. <laughs> pajamas yeah. and aunties yeah. in pajamas. It's just like another look. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I like the dress down vibe of Singapore and the relaxed vibe, you know. Mm -hmm. Literally, people are wearing a t shirt, a pair of shorts, and flip flops. Yeah. And wearing some crazy watch, you know, or yeah. driving some crazy car. Yeah. I thought I like I, that because that's how I like it personally. Yeah. But that, I think I don't really follow the rules too much. So I always do what I like in Japan, you know? And when I first moved there, I had like sideburns, right? And people said, oh, you've got to cut them off. Yeah. You know? I mean, they don't, they don't look stupid if you've got hair, right? Yeah. I was so going to say. Gotta... I was like, what? I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah, if you're bald, then it look yeah. really, you look like a guy from... Uh, yeah, they should uh, be shaved then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, I remember people saying, oh, you've got to cut those off or your hair is too long. And, you know... You gotta do this. You gotta do that. And I remember being told that having three buttons in a suit is not is too casual, you know, because it was so rigid. Mm -hmm. I get lost. I wear what I like. You know, I don't mm -hmm. really care. Um, but yeah, I think Singapore, that relaxed part of it, is definitely appealing. But in Japan, you don't get bored of. If you, mm -hmm. and I speak Japanese, and I've got a lot of Japanese friends. So if I go there, I think I get into the next level of mm -hmm. seeing people. And if I may relate one thing, which I think is quite interesting, and maybe you have this experience as well. If you've got a friend who only spoke to you in English for whatever mm -hmm. period of your life, and then suddenly that friend speaks to you in your native tongue or mm -hmm. another language, mm -hmm. you see a completely different person. So I've got friends who I only spoke to in mm -hmm. English from childhood all the way through until like, you know, 28, 29. Mm -hmm. And we only spoke in English. Mm -hmm. Then one day... Because I, I spoke Japanese at that point. Yeah. I switched to Japanese. They were like a different person. <laughs> I really felt I didn't know them that well. 
I'm yeah. sure in Chinese, in Mandarin, yeah. or in that yeah. is these words, yeah. these you know idioms, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. that we expressed just that much more powerfully. Yeah, you know, in, yeah. you know what I mean. And yeah, I feel like a lot yeah. with Japan. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. Yeah, I resonate with that. Right, nice. we go to the pump pusher round. Oof. Okay, a lot easier. Don't worry. Keep, don't worry. You're not going to sweat over Can these. I pass? Can I pass? A bit tough. <laughs> <laughs> They're very easy. Number one, um, a brand, not necessarily a watch brand, where you have the have had the best consistent customer service. Bar the last month, American Express. <laughs> 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 last one wasn't too good i had to share a bit of you know t- uh, tough love with my relationship manager from american express and i'll send her the link <laughs> she can listen in and learn but uh <laughs> but american express i've been a member for a very long time 28 years you know, know and uh yeah, very good i've had some disasters like someone's heart was oh sad to say but it's died i need to get somewhere quick mm-hmm. it's been a disaster with work and i had to send some money or I had to fly mm-hmm. somebody over. You know, my wife collapsed once and I couldn't get back from London. You know, I rang American Express. They organized tickets for my mother-in-law, got mm-hmm. her over mm-hmm. in like seven hours or eight hours or whatever it takes. And, you know, great experience over the years. No complaints. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Except for the last <laughs> Number two, uh, the most overrated watch in your opinion that you just don't get. Grand Seiko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like the Omiwatari, I have to say. Mm-hmm. That's a nice style. That's a cool watch. That's one out of like 5,000 they've made, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so... It's probably one out of like 50 million they've made. <laughs> like they've, they've made such a high production. Actually, um, they, they've, got two, they've got two, actually. They've got one GMT that's nice and one the Omiwatari. Everything else they can just burn. But carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Number three, tell us the last watch meme you found funny. Uh, I got one today, actually. It was... Uh, a uh, guy going to it was like a an interview thing and it was like uh you know watches then you're in you know it's a job interview but <laughs> okay yeah, something like that i just sorry i haven't read it properly but yeah something about watches and uh yeah, that was the last one i think sorry. right an instagram an instagram account that doesn't have to be watch related that we should all be following oh there's a really cool guy i, I never forget i never remember the names yeah I think it was, oh, sorry. <clears throat> I think it's called Strike Art. Strike Art. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he's got like some crazy, you know, yeah, Strike Art. He's got some crazy paintings, like really cool paintings. And um, yeah, you've got to check it out. Strike Art. Okay, we'll do that. Strike Next dot one. Art. Okay. Ever had a watch that you tried to love? But just didn't work, or you really liked, but once you tried it on, you realized it didn't work for you. That isn't the Seiko. Yeah. Um, let me think. Let me think. I got this JLC. I can't remember the name of it. It's a cool watch if you look at it. It's like, it looks like a Submariner kind of thing, but on steroids. And it's got, it's got a depth gauge in it years ago. It's some weird compressor thing, but it's like a sporty watch with a rubber mm-hmm. strap. And I sold it to a friend. Sounds... He loves it. It's, it's a, I just couldn't get into it. It was mm. too, I can't think of the name even, you know? That's the only one. That was like 15 years ago, you know? You didn't end up buying it. You bought it, though. I bought it, yeah. Yeah, yeah I bought it. But, you know, I, I'm one of these guys, like, I, I would, I think you've got to jump into it. You know, you've got to uh, take a leap of give, faith. Give it the know? benefit of the doubt, you mean? Yeah, yeah. It looked great. It felt great. Sales girl was beautiful and she was very convincing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably just, you know, probably too common a theme in my life. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know, like when I buy guitars, I, ra- I rarely try them in advance. I just buy it and then hope for the best. If I don't like it, I'll sell it. Mm. Hey. The last one. The watch you would go for if budget was no limit. Oh, budget was no limit. Um, I don't have a limit on budget now, if I'm honest. Sorry, that sounds really stupid. Yes. Right? Now yeah, more sorry. people are going to hate him. <laughs> well, do you know what? I think a lot of people want to say that on the podcast, but they don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll just yeah. 
I mean, like, you know, every, anything I really like, I can probably get because I don't really like anything that's that expensive, you know. But if I could choose one, if, any watch, yeah, can any be watch. used as well. It can be used. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Lennon's two four nine nine. I knew it. Uh, it's gonna be one of those yeah. like unattainable, okay. like yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Clapton's be... got a few as well. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's got yeah, twenty four yeah. ninety nine, but Clapton's got a few. Uh, I thirty nine seventy five zero zero fours. Four, yeah. You know, would that be close second? That'd be a close second. Yeah, he was up for grabs at one point, wasn't he? he sold, sold one yeah. or a few of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot of musicians have got cool watches. You know, Clapton as well, specifically Clapton. John Mayer, yeah. of course. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a cool watch. Just to get the last watch that Lennon owned, mm. that would be something special. Oh wow, that's a good answer. I'll take that. So that ends the podcast, the two episode with Servo. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. Had Thank you. Very a great much, chat man. with you on the first and second episode. Um, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to The Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at The Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.